We're back. We're back. It's a distraction. I'm Drew. That's Roth. How you doing, Roth? Pretty good, dude. How are things? Uh, I'm okay. It's been ass freezing this week, and I am a little bit irritated because I don't live in like New England or New York anymore, where like March is just extra February. Like I look at, I live in a place where March really does go out like a lamb. But brother, it is getting in its last word before that happens, and I am not pleased about that whatsoever. Well, that sounds bad. Do you want to, should we take a tropical vacation together? I mean, you and it's me? It's just the first thought. I just, it's first thought, we'll be best a- thought, but I thought maybe we could go to some, go, you know, just it'd be, just for yucks, uh, to Fiji or something. I haven't done the, uh, I haven't done the thing where like couples go on vacations together yet, but I feel like that's coming. Like once I hit fifties and sixties, like it's going to do, like, we're going to have couple friends and we're going to go to like Italy or something. And it's going to have like. Like, no one's going to say there's, like, a key party vibe to it, but it's sort of going to be, like, you know, it's going to be lingering just under the surface. I'm I feel like that. White Lotus has possibly torpedoed that idea forever. And it, you have to, I mean, whatever you want to say about the show, good or bad, I think you have to tip your cap on that. Oh, are there, like, are there like couples, like, swapping and fucking and all that stuff? You haven't watched it? I watched the first episode and hated it, so I didn't watch the rest. That's smart. That's good self care. I can't criticize yeah. that at all. But yeah, there's a little bit of a little bit of tension, a little bit of well, you know. But really, it's a show about capitalism. Oh, oh! I that- have another forty minutes on this. We should just introduce the guest. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, it's a uh, Sports Illustrated's Rohan Nakardi. Hi, Ro, friend of the you show. Are You're back. You are back. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Um, moved back in with my parents, which is very exciting. Talk about a tropical vacation. Hey, exciting. Um, Why? Can you tell us why? Um, I was living in Los Angeles. Do you ever just have a moment? uh, This is going to get dark really quickly, but you're just like, do it. This is what we have you on here for. No, tell us. Yeah. This and sandwich chat. (laughs) Yeah. You're just like, why am I doing something? And then I couldn't come up with a good reason why I was still living in Los Angeles. But now I don't have a reason to live anywhere. And so I'm just I'm just kind of in a weird way station. Like there's like the which Matrix movie does it start where like Keanu Reeves is like stuck in a train station? That's me right now. I'm just Oh man. Yeah. You're asking me to remember other Matrix movies? That's a tall <laughs> order, brother man. I have a question that I've been wanting to ask Roth ever yeah. since the last time we did this podcast. And it's gonna sound like I'm doing a bit, but I'm not. Okay. And not to derail us so early into the show. That's that's what this show is. It's an entire derailment. Yeah. It is fucking East Palestine in podcast form. So I need to find it because Roth sent a tweet like, it's been months now since he sent it. Um, and it was just so funny that I was like, okay, I found it. I found it. And it was him quote tweeting one of those random NBA Quote, quote accounts. So Legion Hoops goes, Shaq on not knowing who Ri Hachimura was prior to the Lakers trade. If you ain't a top 10 player, I don't know who you are. I'm not watching the Bullets or Wizards. And Roth quote tweets it, I do not owe you an apology. I chose not to be familiar with your game. <laughs> Thank you. And I, and I think I laughed for like six minutes straight when I read this tweet. I don't know. Who, I just... David, when did you know you were good at Twitter and... <laughs> Um, Look at this. What it, tough questions. Yeah. When did you know you were good? And, and just what goes through your mind when you know you're about to fire off a banger? Well, that one, this is something that, first of all, that's very kind of you. You have been a, an advocate for 
I wouldn't say like underappreciated tweets of mine. I don't know which ones <laughs> are going to catch the the Rohan fave. Uh, there was one that I that was like when the Mets before they were sold to Steve Cohen that there was a rumor that two brothers were involved, and I just you know it's like two mysterious brothers are this the bitters for the team, and I just put those Wahlbergs? two little weird bald guys from yeah, yeah. Uncut Gems on there. You yeah. were really into that one, <laughs> that <was so> good. <laughs> which was I appreciated, but these are not. I should say these are not tweets that like do big numbers. Like these are just normal, uh, like dumb brain dropping type posts that for whatever reason you immediately step in and are like, hell yeah, which I appreciate in that regard. Um, I wish that I was better at something that isn't Twitter. Cause I think like I'm not <laughs> an exceptional talent, but it is one of those things, especially, you know, in the last, uh, you know, months that it's kind of just felt like, you know, be like, I'm one of the best Yugo repairmen in the world. Like, if you've got a Yugo, like, hatchback or the sedan, I can fix it. I, I know where all the parts are. And it's just like, nobody fucking drives that anymore, you know? Well, you don't, you don't work for Twitter. They don't fucking pay you to tweet. They should, Darren Ravel voice. They want you to pay. George Soros pays me to tweet, actually. You had the cast of Bosch Legacy at the White House. <laughs> Thank you. That was killing me, dude. I was like, <laughs> I gotta remember to bring this up. Sorry, Drew, you're also very funny, but... Yeah, think, we're spending way too much time being nice to Ross. Yeah, it's disgusting. Well, I agree. It's making me uncomfortable. <laughs> you know, we should no, they, talk about sports, Ro, because we... Uh, this past weekend in March Madness, I want to talk about because it it's been. We're actually doing it. Good. As... This way, I don't have to answer <laughs> yeah. the question. Okay. I have a show to run, motherfucker. <laughs> so we're going to talk about this past weekend in March Madness. God damn it, because it's been this batshit crazy <laughs> attorney as I can remember, starting with Fairleigh Dickinson beating number one seed Purdue and what is easily, I believe, and most people believe, the biggest upset in tournament history. Even though it wasn't the first time a 16 seed had defeated a one. Roth, I'm going to. Give this question to you first. Oh, good. Finally. How proud of Fairleigh Dickinson are you as a New Jersey resident? And for St. Peter's and then this? Wow. So this has been a really huge last couple of years for me just because these are both commuter schools. Like, this is not the sort of thing where, you know, Princeton has also won two games in the NCAA tournament, but no one's like, the plucky upstarts. Finally, everyone knows Princeton University's name. <laughs> right. Right? You know, like, it's... They've Little had, known like, a, regional school, Princeton. Yeah, like they have like the Vlad Dracul school of international relations there. Like it's not like a place <laughs> that anybody is like looking up to. Fairly Dickinson is like right off Route 4. Like everyone that I know that I went to high school with like had some sort of extracurricular event there. You know, that like you ran like indoor track and field there or you had like a debate tournament or whatever. It's the sort of local school that like, all the kids from my high school called it fairly ridiculous. Like, it had a nickname, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and there's schools, like, and actually know people that went to UMBC, which was the previous 16 seed, and that one also had a nickname, they said, um, among kids in their class, which was, you make bad choice. Oh, oh that's And so, so I think that mean. when we're dealing with 16 seeds, it's, it's that level of um, – civic pride where it's like a neighbor you know that you know well and that you're familiar with but like don't think especially highly of you know it's, it's one of those schools where like you know about because like they advertise on the sides of buses yes it, that is <laughs> okay. exactly it like fairly dickinson didn't have like a tv ad and a jingle like iona did when i was growing up <laughs> <laughs> the proof is in the people at iona that was like a tv ad that you could see but Iona's also like a much bigger conference. Apparently, Iona wants to hire the Fairleigh Dickinson guy, the guy with the bad haircut. 
no surprise there. He did an amazing job, and he. Won- I mean, this is also the other thing. So as proud as I am of FDU, which is extremely proud, it's always nice to see Teaneck, New Jersey flourishing. Mm-hmm. Honestly, like since the last DOS effects single charted, I don't think it's, I think it's been kind of a long fallow period for Teaneck. So this effects. is great. Uh, but that conference, the Northeast conference is like, I've been to more games in that conference than probably any other. For a while, my friends and I would go to LIU Brooklyn games St. Fran- Francis of Brooklyn, which recently announced abruptly that they were discontinuing all athletic programs. Um, like that Seems was like promising. yesterday. That conference is all schools with like 2,000 seat gyms or smaller. And it's like like sort of big public schools with little teams or like little private schools that are playing Division One basketball for reasons that no one understands. Anytime an NEC team wins, which I think has happened like maybe one other time in my life in the NCAA tournament, something good has happened, which is to say that something stupid has happened to a traditional power. Rohan, it's like those schools, like um, like when you're a high school, like junior, and it's the first college mailer you get, like you get get ones from like, like Fairleigh Dickinson, like Antioch, like schools were like, you're not actually sure if this is actually a college or not, or if it's just like some sort of strange direct mail campaign. Uh, Rohan, uh, not counting the last three or four years of Ben Simmons' life, can you ever <laughs> remember a team or player choking as visibly as Purdue did in that game? <laughs> that was very thrilling to watch, and I feel bad because I don't watch college basketball until the tournament every year. So my only impression of those Purdue kids will only ever be that one game. Oh, and so everyone's like, they got the tall guy. And I'm like, well, he sucks, clearly. <laughs> and, I'm like, and I'm like, oh, he's like 21 years old or whatever, how old he is, and I feel bad, but oh, gosh. Zachy D. The rest of that roster isn't good, too. Yes, I mean, that is yes. like, they were. that was a pretty lame one seed, but that is definitely, that's a, not the version of watching basketball that I have chosen, but what you just described is like the smart way of doing it. I'm not <laughs> yeah. learning anything by staying up late to watch the Maui gym invitational and like fucking Bill Walton is astral projecting during like a Shamanade game. That's not important. I don't need to be seeing I have, that. I have no, like, so something that will happen to me. I don't remember if I talked about this on this podcast or not with you guys. Probably did. Something, something that will happen to me is like during the playoffs, my dad, like the NBA playoffs, my dad gets really locked in. And he'll start texting me his takes. Nice. And I'll be like, uh, blessing. I, and I'll be like, I disagree with that. And he's like, Stephen A said the same thing as me on first take. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, like this literally happened during the NBA finals. And I was like, I uh, know I wrote about this. So I'm going to, but that's me during the NCAA tournament. It's like, I have no, I'm not doing the research. I'm just logging on to fire off my takes. Like last night, I was like, oh, the Hurricanes are playing the Indiana. I just decided I'm a women's college basketball expert. Um, I'm like, you can't leave 45 open from three, you know? <laughs> just, uh, so that's me, like, watching this Purdue game. Like, if you had taken away the seeds from that game, though, I would have had no idea that Purdue was a number one, which is what's kind of crazy about that game. Uh, yeah. And then shout out to my boys at FAU, by the way, the Owls, who then had to humiliate Farley Dickinson with that 360 dunk in the next round. But mm. yeah, that was my impression of Purdue was I was like, I, a lot of people thought they would go far, right? And then now yeah. people are like one of the worst one seeds of all time. That My impression of them was like, I cannot believe this was the number one seed. Like, I feel like they don't make 
college number one seeds like they did 15 years ago. I was surprised um, because I was watching the game and Steve Lapis, who was the color guy, was just brutal at Purdue. Like, you rarely get that <laughs> level of honesty from a color guy. Like, you have to really fuck up for the color guy to actually say that you suck. And Steve Lapis <laughs> was like, like, these guys won't shoot. Like, he said it outright because they wouldn't. They, like, they were fucking terrified to shoot the fucking basketball. Or even pass it to the nine-foot-tall guy. Speaking of things that also speak to my culture, getting just upbraided by someone with Steve Lapis's accent is like another youth basketball experience of mine is really taking me back. Like him being like, you got it. You you know what? You're not trying and you're not asserting yourself. I'm like, oh, God, I'm nine years old. Like (laughs) I'm getting screamed at at a Little League game. How old is Steve Lapis? And he has to be the last person named Steve Lapis, right? Like they don't make Steve <laughs> Lapis's anymore. They're all they've all been rebranded as like yeah. Skylers now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Which the Steve model is no longer available. Uh he's I don't think he's like as old, but he's done that thing where he like had the full cycle of like succeeding at a smaller program, getting a big job, getting a mm. bigger job. And now like I feel like Steve Lapis was like possibly UCLA's coach. He was. Like he had yeah, was like, he had like a good but that was like, you know, 15 years ago. And yeah, then, yeah, yeah. He was a notable coach for a good And then time. from there just like is not going to do that anymore. Mm, like no. and I think that's like a a nice probably, you know, bit of Why is Jay Wright on the broadcast? Like wh- why don't you just take your money and fuck off? Yeah, he definitely seems like Also Jay Wright is one of those guys that seemed of all the college basketball coaches. There's people that I guess, broadly speaking, there's two types of college basketball coach. Like, there's guys that will never go away, that, like, Bob Huggins wouldn't know what to do with himself. Right. Like, he would dress the same, but he would just walk the aisles of a <laughs> right. supermarket all day long. <laughs> like, right. scowling at fucking boxes. <laughs> like, yelling at cow chocula boxes. Yeah. Whereas, like, Jay Wright always had this thing where I was like, as soon as this guy is done with, like, college basketball, he is going to like live in the most tastefully appointed house on the main line (laughs) near Philadelphia. And he's going to like every night he's going to go to a different steakhouse and they're going to be like, Mr. Wright, (laughs) your table, you know, like exactly. Apparently not. Apparently he wants to sit on a fucking set with like Greg Anthony watching TV on a monitor. It is weird because he's so elegant. He like his vibe is like world's most respected mobster. Like that. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And it's like, it's so like it's so inviting. Like even when he's like trying to sell me, I don't know what the fuck, Domino's stuffed crust pizza or the fuck. I'm like, I'm like that sounds classy and yeah, elegant. Right? Like this guy knows what he's talking about. Yeah, yeah. that's the Rolls Royce of meat lovers <laughs> pies. Yeah. Uh, for the third straight year, Rohan, we have a 15 seed in the Sweet 16, and it's Princeton, the aforementioned Princeton. Are you rooting for Princeton, Row, or is that like rooting for Alden Global to buy another newspaper? <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely not rooting for Princeton, and I know that that might come off as hypocritical to some people because I definitely would have been rooting for Northwestern had they continued on in the tournament, although I don't think we are as bad. Um, I, I There is a point in the tournament where it's like um, someone needs to come up with like a catchy name for it, and this is not an original take, but you want to see the bad teams only go so far. And then you kind of want to see the good teams end up in the final four. Yeah. Um, I will say, I don't know who the good college basketball players are anymore. Because another thing is, like, usually I watch the tournament, and at least there's a few guys where I'm like, oh, I've heard about this dude. He's going to be the NBA, yada, yada, yada. Where this year, like, the top two prospects, neither of them are playing college basketball. So I don't even know who the good college basketball players are anymore. I don't know who the teams that are being led by an NBA prospect is anymore. 
So if there were ever a year where maybe I wouldn't care as much that one of these lower seeds makes the final four, it would be this one. But in no way could I ever root for Princeton. I'm sorry. Like this whole, I, I don't know if it's just like self-selecting, but this whole like, where is this New Jersey pocket of Twitter coming from? I like, I didn't realize <laughs> this was such a, such a, you know, well represented community on my timeline. But now it's like, People are just like, oh, another school from New Jersey won. And I'm like, first of all, when, when have we ever done this before? When have we ever been like, I get to claim every college in my state. And like now it's like, yeah, no, I'm over it. So, you just no, shouted that's out a hard Florida Atlantic University. What is your personal connection to Florida <laughs> oh, Atlantic I, University? Oh, I will have you know that I absolutely competed in a debate competition at Florida Atlantic University okay. when I was in high school. Did you win? And and it is close by to my house. I don't remember. I truly don't. Then you lost. You lost. <laughs> you would have remembered if you had won. I think the only here. debate competition I ever won took place at Nova Southeastern. I don't know what that is, but that <laughs> that's a real school too. They yeah. every year they play like an exhibition. They're not a Division One program, but they will like play Kentucky yes. Yes. like in like the first weeks of the season and lose by sixty five points and presumably Correct. get paid some money for it. Can I make one point about the New Jersey thing? Because I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna litigate all of it. <laughs> Nobody in New Jersey is like claiming Princeton necessarily. <laughs> okay, okay. Like we, that would be just it would be putting on errors. Like when and when New Jersey is pretending or performing as New Jersey, it's more just sort of being like, "You said pork roll, but I say Taylor ham. I'm gonna <laughs> fucking kill your family." Like that sort of like over the top hyper aggression. Nobody is like, yeah, Princeton. Like the that's us. Like, you know, where, uh, like, the beginning of As I Lay Dying is set? Like, that that's, like, the New Jersey that I recognize. The uh, the two points I wanted to make was that, one, I'm with you, Rahan, where I don't really necessarily know the players in advance of the tournament, but that means that I get to discover them, same way you get to discover yeah. Olympic athletes during the Olympics. Mm -hmm. And my best, uh, my best example of that from this past weekend was Ricky Council of Arkansas, who I had no idea he even fucking existed before this tournament, and now I would die for Ricky Council. Yep. I think he fucking rocks. I think he's so cool. The other thing I wanted to say is that I am still of the mindset where if it's a lower number, I'm rooting for the lower number all the fucking way. Like, if Princeton wins the tournament outright, like, I can be like, oh, capitalism, boo, whatever, but I'd be like, fuck yeah, the 15 seed did it. That's fucking cool. Yeah, it's stupid. It's Who, great. doesn't like it when dumb things happen? That's yeah. like the best. I do like it. Uh, Duke lost in the second round to Tennessee. Rohan, is it still gratifying to watch them lose in the tourney, even though Coach Mike Krzyzewski has died? <laughs> R.I.P., obviously, the legend. It will, no, it's, it's, it will never not be satisfying. It's, it's, I guess yes, actually, is the answer to your question. Um, thrilling to watch them lose. I, I, the, they just picked, like, I, I don't even, John Shire is like an empty vessel. You just watch them, and then it's like, who is this guy? Like, it's like they picked a, they picked like a creative player before you make any adjustments to him. Like, you know what I mean? It's, it's like just, uh, the sliders have not moved in exactly. either direction. You've just exactly. selected young coach. It's like it's like skin tone one, face one, uh, body one. You know, um, all the abilities set to fifty. Like that's the coach they picked, and it's like, uh, okay, no, it it rocks when Duke loses, and I'm. Just like the Patriots, I'm very excited for like schools like Duke or teams like them to have these long periods of futility where now all this the the entitlement their fans felt and like the we're better than you because we had 
blank guy or whatever, that's all gone now. Now you have to slum it with the rest of us, and that will never be old for me. Yeah, definitely the the Patriots having a long stretch as an eight and nine win team is like good for America. You know, you don't yes. want to overstate it, but You're it's right. the sort of thing that it, like it reflects a healthy civic life. It could heal this country. It could heal. I agree. Yeah. It might be the only yeah. thing that does it. And Duke, they had, you know, they've gone. I mean, K was there before he passed, of course, was there for so long <laughs> and had all these different cycles where he he did effectively like reimagine the program in the last decade that he was there a decade and a half. Because yes. for a while he was like, I'm not doing one and dones. I'm only going to recruit like literally Jonathan Shire type players. And like, <laughs> and then that was like a really good bet that they would get pantsed by Lehigh in the first or second round of the NCAA tournament. And then at some point they became a team that just, you know, had Paolo Banquero and like always had you know, somebody that was going to be a, a lottery pick. It'll be interesting. I mean, they have one now, I think, and Filipowski is probably going to play in the NBA. I just don't know, like, where they're going from here. And it is kind of thrilling that they're now back to, you know, somebody is going to beat Austin Rivers on TV, and then he's going to cry, and then he's going to play in the NBA for 12 years and, like, become a model citizen. But you get the uh, the possibility of something weird happening to them back, which I think is good. Uh, you know who isn't dead is Tom Izzo, whose Michigan State team <laughs> made it to the Sweet 16 again. And I kind of think that he is the last of the old prick fuck coaches now that Coach K and Jim Beheim are gone. <laughs> Rick Patino is still out there, but he looks like a, he's like he's like Coach K, where if you take away the hair dye, he'll look like a fucking mummy. So like is Rick Patino the coach of St. John's now? Yes. That happened yesterday. Yes. He just agreed to be the coach of St. John's, which leaves the Iona job open for a uh, bad hair guy. Uh, at Fairleigh Dickinson to take. He has so. a name. I'm not going to say it, but he does have a name. It's like Eric or, or <laughs> Tobin Andrews. It's like okay. Eric. Yeah. I, I'm the coach of Iona. I did it. Yeah, he did it. Eric, Eric Silver has been, pro, has been appointed coach. Anyway, Rohan, you can't answer this, but when will I be rid of Tom Izzo for good? When can I finally be happy and not? I feel like better? Tom Izzo is the most palatable of the coaches you're describing. Is that a... Like, they've I been used to like him. just... They've threaded the needle of successful and not dominant that you don't hate them. Am I crazy for that take? Like I've weirdly always liked Michigan State. I feel like he he somehow pulls off the annoying old college coach vibe. I liked him for a while until there was that incident where like he really got up in one of his players' grills, like so much so you thought he was mm-hmm. gonna fucking assault him. Yeah. And then there was like this really weird like extremely like you mad bro backlash to like you people don't know what fucking coaches even do and like Scott, even Scott Van Pelt was like don't 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 butt into other people's business and I was like what the fuck's wrong with you Scott Van yeah like Pelt? what is he, what would you say your job is yeah but commenting on other people's business yeah. <laughs> now Izzo I agree with that that like Izzo has always like overperformed which in the like sort of dumb metrics that i use to like understand <laughs> yeah. college sports i'm vibes, always like yeah which is vibes yes yeah. vibes and yeah. there's always a part of me where i'm like damn this is all these like fucking six seven public school guys from like bad cities in michigan and they're beating good teams like that's impressive it was that moment though where suddenly you're like oh my god like this person's a maniac that's like, true that didn't like jim Beheim literally killed a guy right yeah, he was, he was yeah. a participant in an accident that cost a life. Now, yeah, he was I'm not. Actually, he was not. I charged. actually am willing. I actually am willing to 
say that Jim Beheim didn't pull a Monty Burns and like deliberately run over a child. Like I do think it but was. But he's, Beheim he's an asshole though. But. Was really a miserable presence. And like Izzo, I, like stops just short of that, yeah. which is remarkable. I mean, it is also remarkable in the sense that uh, really it's, it's to Beheim's credit in setting such a high bar for being just a really unpleasant <laughs> yeah. guy. Just an irascible fuckhead. Him all the time. especially taking what could have been his like victory lap. Like, uh, you know, he was at Syracuse. He's basically been there uninterrupted since like the early 1960s with a right. very brief exception. Like, and he chose to go out by being like, well, I, you know, I actually said I was retiring before, but nobody listens to Jim. Nobody knows what he really cares about. I, say. Like, I like it. Get the fuck out of here, man. Like, this is your big moment. Like, thank your wife. Thank the school. Like, what are you doing? But he was operating that vehicle, right? <laughs> yes. He was, it's, in fact, <laughs> oh, yeah. It's yeah. important to note that, yes, he was operating the vehicle that at the time and in, that the incident transpired, he was. I see. So it's like, you know, he went Tony Stewart on someone. He did. Sort of. And, yeah. and he just, nothing happened. There were no consequences. That's wild. America's yep. a wild place. He also did the thing where he was like getting ready to step down and he had like, they'd had a successor and he was. Ready to kind right. of right? Didn't he and then name he just, someone? Yeah, and he was just like, fucking no. didn't leave. Like the, he Diane Feinstein that to the max, <laughs> which you have to respect. That is the line. Like if you if you kill a person, or if you openly dress down a student reporter the way Beheim and Coach K did, that I think is the line of like, oh, like well, you've God. got a lot to learn, young man, before you ask me a question about whether or not we played good defense or not. <laughs> So what, just because I haven't hit someone with my car, I don't understand how to <laughs> defend the pick and roll. We uh, we need to talk about the pros with uh, Rohan, but we should take a break uh, and come right back and do that. But before we go, I just want to note that this episode is sponsored by the Re-Young Guns Tuables podcast. Every week, hosts Brad Bradsey and Val Mushrin break down a single DVD <laughs> chapter from Jeff Murphy's iconic 1990 Western sequel. Are you a Billy the Kid or a Pat Garrett? Or... Do you fancy yourself more of an Arkansas Dave Rudabaugh type? And what New Mexico flop house would you belong to? <laughs> Old Rascal Saloon, Mistress Maybelline's, Gunfuck, or Treasures of the Orient? Brad and Val discuss all of that and more for hours. So listen now or go down in a blaze of glory. That's the Reungun Tuables <laughs> podcast only on the Riffer Podcast Network. We'll be right back. Great job. Jeez. This episode is once again sponsored by Homefield Apparel, producers of premium, officially licensed college apparel, and the makers of the shirt that I am wearing as I record this ad. They create unique premium collegiate apparel that shows you're part of a community while still standing out from the crowd. Whether you're on campus or off, our high-quality goods are thoughtfully made and designed to last as long as your memories do. No matter what team you're repping this March, you can find high-quality and stylish items for sale at Homefield. They have tees, sweatshirts, sweatpants, hats, and more. Again, I can vouch for like half of their product line. It's really good. Everything they make is super soft. It's really comfortable, and it's tailor-made to celebrate your school's most beloved traditions, mascots, and major tournament moments. I find that the sizes run a little small. Head to homefield.parel.com or the Homefield Apparel app to get 15% off your entire order with code MARCH at checkout. Their March Madness-specific items are available for a limited time only, and they will sell out. So check them out now.
Once again, that's homefieldapparel.com or the Homefield Apparel app, where you can get 15% off your entire order with the code MARCH at checkout. And we're back. And my voice is cracking with Rohan Nadkarni of Sports Illustrated. Was that a real podcast that you just did an ad for? That's all I've been thinking about. It was 100%. Of course it was a real podcast. It's one of the most popular podcasts on Spotify, Rohan. It's like like number two below Joe Rogan. No doubt about it. So this has become, it's it's a, a bit... I'll be go ahead and just put them out, put the cards on the table here. Let wow, you know, thanks run. a lot, Dick. Sorry, man. I just didn't want him to try to find the podcast yeah, and get I frustrated. Gonna, I was like, I'm gonna go look for this podcast. <laughs> yes, uh, but there's Drew does a new one every week. I make a point of trying not to spoil them okay, because they're my favorite part of every episode. Because sometimes I'm like, okay, I know that one was fake, and then I'm like. But was it? Yeah. Like, no, Bone Coin is one of those things where, like, yeah. I kind of yeah. feel like Bone Coin exists. <laughs> bone Coin is a good one. Bone yeah, if I'm, making, good one. if I'm making jokes about dicks, you you know. But when I get yeah. in the more esoteric uh, yeah. era of Young Guns 2, which, is, of course, is <laughs> beloved. By the way, but I people watch... Do, people do bit podcasts now is the problem. It's like that actually exists. Like yeah. someone That's like, the gag, Rohan. That's why I was making fun of you. Stupid asshole. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, that's right. I said it. I said it. I'd can like I, to insult our guest. Can I um can I admit something to you guys? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, please. So whenever I record one of these, I'm like waiting on pins and needles for Roth to do the post. Because of course I gotta read what the comments say. And I feel like I've been on a good streak of episodes, and I'm so nervous because I've had this cold. I didn't sleep well, and I'm just like, I'm not bringing it today, and they're going to fucking kill me in the comments. That's no. all I can think about this entire episode. Our, uh, our, the only our producer, Aaron, is like wildly gesticulating right now because he's always hassling Roth to get the post up earlier than it is. And he's like, Roth, Roth has to do it. <laughs> in my mind, I'm like, i got to bring up sandwiches. It's the only thing that'll no, save me. No, no. <laughs> you don't need to slop the hogs. They'll get what they get. Don't worry. Worry about that. They'll be they'll be happy to have it. The I think the well obviously the posts do need to go up a little bit earlier. I'm always trying to like add value with those, and I don't really think I need to do that. That's not what anybody's in it for. No, like I, I put the great. post up, I embed the podcast in it. Everyone underneath it takes issue with how I pronounce the names of certain restaurants, and that's it. That's the whole show. So, Rohan, let's talk about the NBA. How sick precisely are you of the current MVP discourse? And is MVP discourse ever fun for you? I think it used to be fun, and it's tough because there's also moments where I can't help but to wade myself into the waters. I was definitely, you know, I wrote um, a Nikola Jokic story last year, and it was incredible. He was awesome. (laughs) You say your own story was incredible? No, no, he was incredible. He was incredible. Just incredibly (laughs) fast. My story, it was amazing. Everybody knows the story. The story was fine. People come up to me, tears in their eyes. (laughs) 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 The story was fine, but Jokic, Jokic told me that he gets bored of playing good like he gets bored of eating ice cream. That's how cool he is. Um, (laughs) And... uh, so, you know, I wrote this big story about why I think he should win MVP and like it it definitely like put me in a camp and like now people think it's like I just only care about analytics and I don't watch Joel Embiid play or like it's an insult that I consider Joel Embiid like the second best player in the NBA last year. I, I think if I had to vote today, I'd probably vote 
oh gosh, the Sixers are on such a heater. I think I might yeah. vote Giannis today, but I think it would be Giannis and Bede Jokic in that order. But yeah, it's tough and it's annoying because there's people who I like really, whose opinion I respect that I feel like I have a completely different opinion about the MVP than me. And I'm like, how are we on such opposite ends of the spectrum here? And something that just bothers me about it is when people bring up the historical context of the award, it's like they didn't have fucking league pass in 1989 and people were watching like, you know what I mean? It's just, it's right. we have so many different ways to watch and measure things now that people are always like, oh, like you don't watch the games. Like, you know, and I'm like telling you that Nikola Jokic's teams outscore opponents more than any other team with their best player on the floor isn't like an advanced stat to me. That's just like, this is a fact I'm presenting you. Like no team is leading by more points with their best player on the floor. You know, and I'm like, how is that advanced? But you know, it's not, it's, it's arithmetic. It's yeah. the, it's the mm -hmm. weirdest thing of all the stuff. I think your point is very well made and there's like, and it's very, to me, self-evidently true that like there's, more ways to understand basketball more effectively now. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes it weirder that there is this other movement where people are like, I actually prefer to hit it with a bone. Like, <laughs> yeah. like I like to mash two rocks together. That's actually my method. And that's how I'm able to, and that you don't need to like get too in the weeds with any of this stuff. Like, I don't think anybody is trying to like make the true shooting percentage argument for right. MVP. It's just one of these things where it's about knowing versus not knowing. And there's like a whole, you know, political, you know, aesthetic like valence to that that is really yeah. irritating too. the idea of it's, it's like what you were saying, the idea of like suddenly you're in a camp and you're like a figure to be like people taking shots at you because you wrote a magazine feature about a basketball right. guy per your job. It's just bizarre to me. Well, it's also, right. uh, Rohan, it's like I almost feel like Embiid needs to win an MVP just to get that discourse back on track. Because yes. as long yes. as he hasn't won an MVP, you're just going to have Sixers Twitter coming in and pissing and moaning about it and like doing all their bullshit. That was my impression of a Philadelphia person. I think it was very accurate. So One thing that I find especially hilarious is Daryl Morey. And I respect it. First of all, him like calling out Boston with Embiid not being named an all-star starter was an absolute masterstroke. Like I loved that. That was hilarious. Um, but Daryl Morey keeps tweeting about like, Oh, there's both sides of the floor. Like Embiid's defensive impact. Like that's why he's better than Jokic. I never once heard him made that argument when he was arguing why James Harden showed MVP when he was general yep. manager of the Rockets. Of course. Uh, and it just goes to show it's like, I, and I, res I, I generally like, like the passion. I, you know, Something that people used to ask me, like Dwayne Wade and Dirk Nowitzki's last year, they're like, who's better? You know, who's the better player? And I'm like, it doesn't matter. Like, you can believe one guy was better. Like, no, the world will continue. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. the world will keep spinning. It doesn't matter if you think Michael Jordan is the third best player. Let's say you have LeBron and Kareem ahead of him. Like, guess what? Like, everything will be okay. You know what I mean? You're allowed to believe. You're allowed to have an irrational belief that one guy is better than the other. It just is. It gets so personal and it, you know i'm not saying that even like race isn't a factor but all these other things kept getting dragged into it and it just makes it so exhausting yeah especially when you consider that like on the merits 
that three-way race for MVP is like these are three of the coolest and most yes. distinctive players because it was as great as Jordan was that you know from Jordan through into this sort of like the period of people that imitated Jordan the your Kobe types it was kind of the same type of dude that would win the MVP for a, the better part of a decade you know and then there's like the LeBron period where like LeBron is amazing too but like LeBron is a one of one type player and now you've got all these bizarre inside out centers like nobody's ever played basketball the way that Jokic does mm-hmm. like no, that, that is I just mean, th- that's so right because it used to be like either it goes to a kick-ass guard or it goes to like a boring center who isn't Hakeem like that's like who would win or like a boring power forward which is kind of the same shit there's a center who's probably the best passer in the NBA there's another center who is when he is engaged on defense, probably the best defensive center I've seen since, like, the young version of Shaquille O'Neal. Mm-hmm. And then fucking Giannis, who, again, is a guy that is just, like, a superhero. Like, not a guy that is, you know, has any sort of precedent that I can think of in terms of what he does. Like, that's – the fact that we somehow were handed those three things and everybody decided not to have fun with it is extremely grim to me. It – I just – I've – it's made me lose sight of what would even be the fun way to discuss it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's a good question. I don't know that there is one. Yeah. You know what? I I feel like, and this is just me, this is me personally, I feel like this award um, is more significant to me than like any other league MVP award or even the mm-hmm. Heisman Trophy. Like I used mm-hmm. to give a fuck about the Heisman Trophy, but I grew up and I don't give a fuck anymore. Yep. Uh, but like NFL MVP, like I'm sort of like, oh, well, this guy should have won it, but I'm not like, I'm not rabid about it. And yet MVP of the NBA, I think because of the small number of players on the court and how visible they are and how spectacular they are, it feels like that award is like that when you when you give the award to that player, it becomes their year. It's, oh, mm-hmm. that was their MVP year. And that's right. like, you, are, you remember that like very distinctly. I don't know why that is, but it feels much more indelible to me which is why I want that discourse to be good instead of annoying. Yeah, for I sure. I, I also am hoping that Embiid wins it this year. And, you know, in part, he listen, he's very deserving. It, it, there's a great argument for him to win it. I, I probably would have had Jokic up until a couple weeks ago. The Nuggets have lost a bunch of games recently. I, I hope he wins it. I think that would take a lot of the edge off. You know what I mean? It would kind of, it would take the lid off all this and like just kind of let things fill the room and it'll be fine. And it would also make it much more hilarious if he didn't make the conference finals again. Like that, and to me, in an ideal world, he wins it and Philly loses in the second round, and everyone's like, here we go. Like, you know what I mean? That, that to told me you he was a fraud. Yeah. That to me, that would be the ideal outcome if from just a pure hilarity standpoint. This is the Rohan difference is you make a very <laughs> reasoned argument for it. Like, and then you're just like, also, I think it would be good if something stupid happened and yeah, exactly. ruined that. Yeah, yeah. Love it. Yeah. I like it. Let's uh, let's move on to something a bit trickier, which is John Morant. He's returning to the Grizzlies this week after serving an eight-game suspension with time served for, like, a lot of weird shit. Rohan, could you take us through Ja's month, and should we be concerned at the end of this that Ja is an asshole, or is he getting the same kind of shitty scare quotes treatment that other black athletes throughout history have had to endure? Um. <laughs> that's a a big question and it's it it's is. definitely a, a, the right one so obviously you know he has the incident after the denver nuggets game where he's in a nightclub and he's flashing a gun on instagram live this was after the washington post reports a story where 
he's involved in multiple incidents. He with you know, teens. Maybe, he's always getting yeah, in fights with teens. Maybe flashed a gun at a teenager. Tried, you know, allegedly threatened a mall security guard. Um, he had an, the athletic reported an incident with the Pacers where I think some Pacers employees were worried that people in John Moran's entourage were were pointing guns at them. Like that was the one with the with the laser pointer yes. where they were, and the security yeah. guards were like, "That was definitely a gun." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. Just a string of kind of bizarre incidents, I guess, for lack of a better word. That's probably not even a very good one. The jaw thing is interesting, and I wrote about this a little bit, and I, I wish I'd have had even more time to write about it because I think looking at it now, I think he has an opportunity here. And I, I'm a little surprised how soon he's coming back. I really thought he was going to miss the rest of the season. Um, Like, to me, there's an opportunity here for him to kind of show us a different way of redemption like i feel like when athletes get into situations like this it, it always follows kind of a similar path you know he already did like the espn sit down for example yeah right which was maybe strangely timed and i there's i i actually think it was a good idea to do it with someone like jalen rosie and people like, he's not a journalist blah 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 like he will push back on that rightfully so and also I think Jalen Rose framed it as like, I know what you, you know, I can be empathetic to your situations. Like I've, I've gone through some shit in my own life. It's just, um, I feel like people call for penance, like people call for punishment. And I, I don't know if this is like a mental health thing with John Morant, if he is just young and making mistakes, if he can't handle the fame, if he, you know, genuinely enjoys kind of the lifestyle he's purporting here. But yeah, it's just like it bothers me when people are like, "Is the punishment severe enough? Did he do this for long enough?" And mm. it's like we get so caught up. You know, I this is going way back now, but you know, when people were like, "Obviously, <laughs> this is going to sound so absurd that I'm even saying this." Like Ray Rice, it, you know, how do you put a number of games in a suspension on something like that? Right, you can't. Like, you can't equate like him you know, committing that act of violence to a number of games, you suspend him from playing football. Ultimately, at the end of the day, what matters is like, are we, and, you know, maybe this is like, oh, like radical leftist libtard, but like, are we, are we creating better people at the ends of these situations? Are we, are we making an attempt to rehabilitate? Like, I think that should be the focus when it comes to jaw ultimately. And I, I just, I hope that's the case. I think he has an opportunity to show that, you know, he's not going to do this dumb shit anymore, but it sucks. But like, we will only find out over the next few years, right? That's what I was going to say. It yeah. seems like that's the sort of thing that, you know, reveals itself or doesn't in the fullness of time. And mm -hmm. there's something, I think that's a, a really good point about in terms of like what I think that where this disciplinary action is pointed and with the NFL, it's always much more obvious because everything about the NFL is much more obvious. Mm -hmm. The idea is to make people feel better about consuming it. That's the <laughs> right, NFL's whole right. gambit. It's basically like, all right, well, whatever. Like, now I can go back to not thinking about it. Which is, you know, it's worked very well for them. With this, there was this, because it was also opaque, and because it's unclear what the actual issue is, the stuff like the, the stint in counseling that was like three days, and it was not clear what kind of counseling that was. Like, you get sent to like maturity camp in Florida or something mm -hmm. like that. It's all really bizarre and like because of how not just like how stilted it is because it's always by its nature pretty stilted because of how vague it is 
it's really tough to sort of get your hands around it in the way that like even by now like I mean everybody that has watched sports for any appreciable period of time like you know your way around the strange feelings about like a strange disciplinary action or kind of like a mm-hmm. vague uh you know institutional response to an offensive concrete act in this case the acts themselves are pretty vague and the response has been even more so and so you're just kind of like left hoping for the best uh well then we have to get to the important part of uh, of this entire story, Rohan, which is that can the Grizzlies contend now that he's back? <laughs> really all I care about. Um, I will say I was impressed. They beat the Mavs last night and the Mavs like didn't score the last six minutes of that game. I I thought there was a, a big potential for them to kind of fall apart without jaw, even though they've the last couple of years have played really well without him. I mean, they blew out golden state in the playoffs by 40 without him. Um, they're, I mean, they're in the thick of it. They really are. It, it's going to be weird. Like, I still don't, if we're like really getting into this, I don't trust them in the playoffs. Like they have too many young guys in their rotation that I don't know if I believe they're going to be able to kick it in like round three of the playoffs. Okay. And also they, they can't shoot, but. That'd be bad. They're down um, to really important big players too. I mean, yeah, it's basically like, like, it's tough, but I agree that like, I thought they were going to like fucking tank back into the lottery yeah. somehow. <laughs> they have not. The uh, the amount of Dylan Brooks in the monitors in a uh, Grizzlies game <laughs> without John Morant in it is Ooh. unbearable. Ooh, I yeah. I am like I think I love Dylan Brooks. Good. All right. Yeah. Oh, hey, <laughs> tell me more. We're spicy. That's great. We just need more like annoying ass people like him. Like yeah. everyone. Like I'm so like he's. The degree to which he's like unsanitized and just hitting people in the balls and like shoving cameramen. Like, obviously, I feel bad for those people, but you know, <laughs> but he, he's doing the crimes, <laughs> he's doing the times, and that's yeah. that. You know what I mean? Like, um, he's definitely I, I like of, as a na- like narratively. If you think of all of this as an entertainment product and sports yeah. as a TV show, then like. He's a heel. Like, we needed a new one. The idea of, like, Pat Bev and fucking Draymond are kind of, like, hitting the old promos this, at yes. this point. Now there's, like, a new guy showing up, like, dressed like Steve Austin for games and being <laughs> yeah. being extra weird. So Also, the degree to which the Warriors are like, it's not a rivalry, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you can just see how much Dylan Brooks gets under their yep. skin. And I love that. Like, I love watching that. Uh, before we let you go, because I know you have a hard out, um, how seriously should we take the Sacramento Kings and the rising New York Knicks, the ascendant New York Knicks? Uh, should we take either of those two teams seriously, Rohan? I take the Knicks more seriously than the Kings. Oh, wow. The, the Knicks really? have a better defense, and especially since they got Josh Hart, they've been really good on that end of the floor. They've had a good offense all year long. Um. It's gotten to the point with Julius Randle. He scored 57 last night. I think every shot that he takes, the defense wants him to take, but he's hitting them. And he's hitting them all year. And maybe the 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 shoe falls off, the glass slipper comes off in the playoffs. But, I mean, I, I can't doubt what he's done this season anymore. I think they've been, yeah, like I said, like I think top 10 on both sides of the ball uh, since December now. The Kings are incredibly fun. Just historically, again, defenses like that aren't built to go far in the playoffs. Yeah. Like they have to junk it up. They play a lot of zone. It would be great if they buck the trend, but if you're like a betting man or whatever, it's just like you can't. It, there's no 
precedent for a defense as bad as theirs yeah. unless like you have lebron james on your team to go deep into the playoffs it is too bad too because they are cool but yeah you're right yes. there's no one's winning a game 132 128 in the playoffs it's yeah. just not realistic i'm pro beam i'm pro b we all mm. love the beam we love to yeah. light it we love to yeah. regard it yeah i'm just gonna say it has anyone tried to like put the beam up their ass oh well i'm sure I mean, it's, it's just a light right it wouldn't sure but it's not a like concept. it's not a, it's a, not death ray like as i not... recall that was one of uh trump's proposed treatments for covid <laughs> there's definitely there's all kinds of there's the science is unsettled but i think it's a promising field i'll do it you know i'll go to a king's game specifically so i can chant light the fleshlight instead of light the <laughs> you gotta get up there in a fucking chopper drew and like be dangling out <laughs> and, like, and, like, Tango and cash ass yeah, hanging exactly. off the skin yeah. on the bottom. Here, I do here. like the beam though. I like that. Like it reminds me of like a horror movie when someone opens like a, a mystical box that they weren't no. supposed to, and it's yep. like boom. Uh oh. Oh fuck! The clouds are about to part, and the demon's gonna come down and fuck us all up. That's Every time the good. kings win, you open the puzzle box from Hellraiser. <laughs> <Yeah. That's right. laughs> Ron, before you go, would you like to remember a guy? Because uh, time. Yes. Time for the guy of the week. Every week we remember an athlete of yore, not a Hall of Famer necessarily, but just a guy who makes you think, hey, I remember that guy. And your guy of the week, Rohan Nutkarni, is Eddie House. Remember that guy? Andy House? Eddie Eddie, House. Eddie, Eddie, oh, Eddie, Eddie, Eddie. House. Yes, of course I remember yeah. Eddie House. We all remember Andy Miami House. Heat we loved Eddie House. Yeah. <laughs> Any treasured Eddie House memories? He was in the big shorts era. There were some of the hugest shorts ever worn in the NBA during those years. So it's funny because Eddie House had like a brief like renaissance with the Heat, I believe, during the big three era. They had like mm -hmm. briefly had him on the team. But to me, like Eddie House was my first introduction to like, oh, this guy's going to shoot every time he gets the ball. Like I thought Eddie House <laughs> was like 180% better of a basketball player than he actually was because I'm like, well, if he's shooting this much, he must be one of the best players on the yeah, team. Right. <laughs> he seems to really mean it. That's what yeah. I would do. I'd I'm shoot. Like, I'm like, why are we giving the ball to Eddie House? He's our best scorer. Um, <laughs> this so is, was, I think that's yeah. such a like part of growing up basketball wise too is because there every team has guys like that, but yeah. that's like, that doesn't mean that they're important. It just means that yeah. there's like guys that can score a lot of points. I mean, there's a guy that, uh, the, basketball people at Defector obsessed with who after Cam Thomas had that string of 40 point uh -huh. games was like every team has a guy like this and they never get a chance and it's like well <laughs> they lost both those games dude like they're not like, <laughs> yeah. it's because this guy was shooting so much like every team does have a guy that could score 40 points if you gave them 30 shots it's just like that doesn't help your team at all you gotta put a name on ball don't lie sir you gotta ball don't stop, stop. Ball don't stop, stop did, whatever. Ball don't <laughs> yeah. lie, don't stop, don't quit. You know, the ball anyway, doesn't do a lot respect to Eddie House. Nice to think shout about out, Eddie House. Shout out to um, Eddie House. I'm a little upset it wasn't a baseball guy. Do you want to do, you want to yeah, You want to remember Marlin? a baseball guy? Can we offer you a Marlin? Yeah. Can we talk about Todd Hollinsworth? Hell yeah, we'll oh, talk about Todd Hollinsworth. Yeah. So here's Ooh. my issue with Todd Hollinsworth is... <laughs> I was Go off, King. I was I was deeply in on the 2003 Marlins as you could imagine. Mm -hmm. And this is this is like actually an anti remembering a guy. So I watched so many 2003 Marlins games. That summer I was in India on a family vacation and every day I would make my uncle log me onto the internet on his laptop. Um so I could check the standings where they were in the wild card standings. I was like, "Oh my god, they're going to make the playoffs now." 
This team is so exciting. I watched every single playoff game. I watched like every game in September. They reacquired Jeff Conine. It was a big thing. I was like, this team is awesome. <laughs> I don't remember a single at bat Todd Hollinsworth took for the Florida Marlins. And he played like a hundred games in 2003. And I don't know how, like, it's. It's like, and I'm like, am I repressing some kind of trauma <laughs> that I can't, for some reason I can't remember? It's going to take regression therapy for you to yeah. remember Todd Hollinsworth just popping out with a runner on base. I guess all Todds look alike to you, don't they? <laughs> it's like, who, who touched me like one time when Todd Hollinsworth <laughs> came up to bat? He played in 93 games and had a 228 at bats. And I don't remember a single one of them. I don't yeah. know how it happened. Like, was he productive or was he like a 100 hitter that year? I think he was like Todd Hollinsworth. Like, my guess is that he was like 250, 320, 390 as a slash line. This is disgusting. He was 254 average, 317 on base, 417 slugging. All right. He was more slug than I thought. But yes, that's like, it's not because I had a specific memory of Todd Hollinsworth. I think we've established that nobody has any specific memories of Todd Hollinsworth. In my defense, his war was zero. Yes. He was so he could have average. been anybody. Yeah. Like, hey, like that's my war, too. Time. So there yep. you go. But, <laughs> Rohan, you've been a lovely guest. We're going to let you go before we open up the fun bag. Uh, you have been awesome. Where can we find you online and where can we read your writing? Well, don't literally find me. Um, yeah. Do not go to Rohan's home. I think you should hunt <laughs> him down and <laughs> park outside his house and stick him out. <laughs> But uh, I, you can find me in David Roth's mentions, being like, please, <laughs> please miss just once. Um, <laughs> you can you very find much. me in Twitter. And, yeah, that's it. Uh, and also occasionally sportsillustrated.com. Oh, all right. Thank you He's so much, my Thank man. Thank you, Rohan. Thank you. Bye. Yeah, we'll see you. I'll see you. Thanks. All right, Rohan's gone, and we're going to open up the fun bag. But we have a twist for you this week because we did open up a voice mailbox to you guys uh, at 1909-726-3720, 909-Panera0, mm-hmm. that is. And you guys did indeed leave us some voicemails. So we have two, two audio fun bag questions for you this week. Uh, and we'll get to the first one right now. Hey, I have a question for Ross. I know you're a Jersey boy, uh, and I apologize if you've addressed this before, but uh, I'm a resident of Middlesex County, and I need you to tell me what a sloppy Joe is. So this is, it's a trick question. It's a trap. It is. Um, Obviously, also, thanks for for, uh, calling in and all of that. So in Middlesex County, a sloppy Joe's sandwich has got ham on it or whatever. It's like a sandwich. It's a different sort of thing. Where I am from in North Jersey, Sloppy Joe is what a Sloppy Joe is everywhere else in the United States, which is just basically ground beef uh, piled onto, but but not in burger form, just kind of, you know, loose, gravy-ish. It's good. Um, but there, the fact that there is a South Jersey version of a Sloppy Joe that has nothing in common with the generally agreed upon version is legitimately one of my favorite things about the state. Like, it is just unnecessary and disagreeable and confrontational on its face like all of the best things that we've produced like you could have called it anything else i had no idea this was a a thing yeah i didn't realize it until this question was asked so i looked it up on wikipedia and it's in parts of northern new jersey which i guess you will have to correct raw 
A sloppy joe is a cold delicatessen sandwich. Always a double-decker, thin-sliced rye bread sandwich made with one or more types of sliced deli meat, such as turkey ham, pastrami, corned beef, roast beef, or sliced beef tongue, along with Swiss cheese, coleslaw, and Russian dressing. So like a cold Reuben, basically? Yeah, like a club sandwich with no bacon on it. Yeah. But yeah, I like, so what I knew, I guess I knew about the coleslaw part of it. It's weird. I guess maybe it is. I mean, I don't think of Middlesex County as necessarily being North Jersey, but I do feel like that's a, a different sort of debate there. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't have to get to that part. Yeah, good. <laughs> Which is, but it, again, the the idea that they made that sandwich up, which is a totally normal sandwich to have made up, all sounds like it's got good shit on it. Like, I don't mind coleslaw on a sandwich necessarily. And then we're like, it, it's like if you invented a soda and you're like, I'm calling it 7-Up. And someone else <laughs> were to tell you that it already exists and you'd be like, no, I just invented it. It's This is mine. <laughs> you gotta love yeah, it. I mean, it'd be funny if it, like there was like a, a strange pocket of like Maryland where a taco is like, you know, a brisket sandwich, yeah, like on, on like a hoagie roll. And you're shawarma. like, oh, that that's what I call a taco. Like that yeah. would be, that's very weird to me. I always enjoy those. The one real weird regionalism that my part of the state had that like, it's apparently, I've seen these charts, they put them out around Halloween where, you know, what do people call the night before Halloween where you throw toilet paper over trees? Like in every area has, you know, that is like a storied American tradition. The one night when kids are annoying and it has a different name everywhere. Where I grew up, it was called Cabbage Night. And that is like not even true in the rest of New Jersey. Like it's one of those things that it's, it's like New Jersey, Western New York, parts of Michigan, but like it's not a concept. I have no idea how that wound up being the case in Ridgewood, but it is 100% the case in Ridgewood. And then everybody else calls it like Devil's Night or Mischief Night or whatever. Right, 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 right. Do they throw cabbage at like- No, no, oh. that would be great. So uh, cabbage isn't involved in any way? No, it's the same, at least for where- I grew up, it's the same shit that happens every other night before Halloween. Like, if it was Cabbage Night because, like, you were whipping coleslaw at your neighbor's homes, that would be great. And like I encourage kids to do that. A paper bag of coleslaw going yeah. through. Any of the children listening to this podcast right now should feel free to do that. But <gasps> Oh, my God. Can I say something really quickly about Cabbage Night? Yeah. I, that's our producer, Eric. Yes. Hello. Okay. Uh, before I'm also the coach of, of Iona, apparently. Yeah, you've done great. I did a great job. Um, I was looking up trying to find this New York Times thing, which always pops up on the internet. But uh, I was looking it up and I put in Mischief Night Linguistics. And there is a article from HistoryDaily.org that has Cabbage Night. Good. It's a real thing. And other people do it other than Roth. That makes me feel good. Uh, and also plenty of people pronounce uh, Panera different ways, too. That's normal also. <laughs> Next <laughs> very question. <important>. <laughs> Apparently, so Cabbage Night, some sources claim that it occurs in Cincinnati, while NJ.com <laughs> reports it's most prevalent in Paramus, an area with a large Dutch population. Yep. Next town over from where I grew up. And there is it is like a Dutch part of the, the state that like the um, like the original name of the town I grew up in was Zabriskieville. I wish they'd kept that. Oh. Uh, but it's yeah, not they, Vander uh, Zabriskieville. 
No, I mean, it should have. There's like the big streets that run through the town. I'll have a lot of vans in them. Anyway, Eric, what? Uh, so it's a Dutch thing? Yeah, some sort of custom. Apparently, if you go far enough back, Cabbage Night came from the custom among young Scottish women of examining cabbages pulled from their neighbor's garden on the night before Halloween to see what their future husbands would look like. And then that once they fun. do this, they throw the cabbage against their neighbor's door and run away, which is the connection to the pre-Halloween pranks. I mean, the Fantastic. majority of Scotsmen do look like cabbages. I was going to so say, just, feel like, just as I suspected, another fucking Scottish guy. You know where else Cabbage Night is huge? It's at the house of Todd Holland's work. <laughs> Ooh, oh, Thank you. wow. Thank well, you very that much. That is quite a connection. Uh, let's get to the uh, the second voice mailbox uh, fun bag question, and then we'll get the fuck out of here. Let's hear the question. Oh, hey. Yeah, I was calling because I have this smart speaker. And the Grateful Dead's Touch of Grey has been playing on repeat for me all morning. And I don't know how to turn it off. And I don't know. Is that cool? I think it's cool. Is that, what would you do, Roth, if, if, you're, if your smart speaker, which apparently isn't that smart, keeps playing Touch of Grey over and over and over again? I would, I think that I would turn it off. But I would have this fear if it's played enough times without me wanting it to be playing it. That like if you unplug it and it keeps playing it then something really bad is happening and you need to you need to be ready so like come up with a plan get a go bag together if you unplug it or take the batteries out or however one powers a smart speaker and that song keeps playing you need to get the fuck out i i've had this actually i've had this problem where if i connect something to to bluetooth but spotify like has closed or something like that Suddenly it'll open back up again, but and like and start playing like a Mexican version of the Twelve Days of Christmas that I never <laughs> had listened to or searched for or anything like that. So it's very weird. As for Touch of Grey, I just want to noted that Touch of Grey is the only Grateful Dead song I've ever liked. It was also the first Grateful Dead song I ever heard because I thought their name was the Grateful Dead, so I was like, oh, they're a heavy metal band. I bet they're fucking awesome. And then their video played on MTV for Touch of Grey, and I was like, oh, this is kind of weird, but like, it's okay. It's like, it's kind of like he's wheezing through his teeth and spit. Like, it's a pretty decent song. And I like, so I, I, I think I like that song. So I had two different wrong impressions yeah. of the Grateful Dead. First, from just not knowing who they were, and then from that song, because that song is just a very basic pop song, and the rest of the Dead's catalog is just noodling bullshit that yeah, I fucking super can't stand. Digressive. Oh. It, is, it is kind of a funny bit on their part. Like you gotta, you gotta tip your cap. Now I don't. Personally it's a great video. It's a love their music great video. or their song, but the idea of releasing just a normal, gentle waiting room song that's like three and a half minutes long as a single, and be like, I'd, I'd love to hear what the rest of this record sounds like. <laughs> and it's just like 16 minute songs about being high on a mountain. Like, all right, good for you. You got me. All right. Well, that is it. That is uh that was our our voicemail edition of the fun bag. I think we're gonna keep doing that so long as you guys yeah. keep sending in questions or or whatever else you guys have to offer. Eric Silver is our producer. You just heard him. Brandon Grugel is our editor. Our theme song is by Kirk Hamilton. Ads and production services are by multitude. And please. Go subscribe to Defector.com right now. Just go to Defector and hit the subscribe button. You can also email us at distraction at Defector.com. Or, as we just noted, you can call us at 909-726-3720 and leave a message. That's 909-PANERA-ZERO. Mm -hmm. We'll see you next week, Roth. Bye. Bye.